you have to take it step at a time. That every business has started from zero. Every person has, every founder has Googled a million things of like, how do I do this? How do I do this? And you just have to take it one step at a time. Hey, visionaries, welcome back to the show. As you guys know, I am a huge fan of podcasts. <laughs> if you know me even any amount, you know that I am obsessed. I listen to sometimes multiple hours of podcasts per day. And in fact, listening to so many podcasts actually prompted me to start the Visionary Life podcast many years ago. And so every so often, I'll actually be tuning into an episode of somebody else's show and I'll listen in on the interview with the guest and I'll think, oh my gosh, I need to have this person on the Visionary Life podcast because I know their story is going to resonate and I just know you guys will love this guest. So that's exactly what happened with today's guest and her name is Teak Chandler. Teak is the founder of Chandler Honey, and if you haven't heard of them, they make amazing creamed honey with flavors like creme brulee and orange grove, and they have seasonal flavors too. And Teak is such a passionate young entrepreneur who founded Chandler Honey because of her zest for small business and for beekeeping, and she actually grew up on a beekeeping farm in Alberta, Canada. And this farm has been in her family since 1937, and although after after she left for school, she pursued human resources and then she went on to work in tech sales. She always kind of had that entrepreneurial spirit and eventually she could no longer ignore the pull. I feel like a lot of you find yourselves in that space right now where it's like you are working the job, but you are getting that nudge almost daily at this point of like, start the business, start the business. What are you going to do? What's next? So in Teak's case, she sat down, made a list of potential business ideas, and eventually decided to go back to her beekeeping roots and to really explore what it would be like to launch a line of honey. So you guys are going to love learning about Teak's story. And because she's still in the early stages of running her company, her story is just so relatable. So Tune in, and if you love this episode, it would be so awesome if you could take a screenshot of yourself listening and definitely tag us so you can find Teak on Instagram under the brand, which is just chandler.honey. The website is chandlerhoney.com. I will link all of that in the show notes, but definitely go check out their Instagram or their TikTok because Teak creates some really great content. I almost said coffee. She creates really great content um, around the beekeeping process and the honey itself and shares a lot of her personal story as an entrepreneur. And also the brand aesthetic is just beautiful. So enjoy the episode with Teak and I will see you guys next week. Welcome to the Visionary Life Podcast. I was just mentioning to you before we started recording that I am a huge podcast fan myself and I subscribe to the Shopify Masters podcast and it popped up on my list and I listened to it immediately and I was like, oh my gosh, like I need to know more about this company. What is Chandler, honey? So, you know, started following you guys on Instagram. I listened to the whole episode and anyways, there's just such an amazing story here. You are full of passion and 
and excitement as an entrepreneur. And so very honored to be able to sit down with you today and bring this story to our visionary community. So thank you for being here. Oh, so excited to be here. Thanks, Kelsey. And it's it, that was my big, like first big podcast that I've been on. Um, so I was a little nervous about how it was going to turn out. Um, it was recorded way ahead of time. So I kind of forgotten what I said. But yeah, I'm pretty happy with how it went. I yeah, no, doing podcasts is super fun. Just sharing my story. And uh, yeah, happy to do more. It's so cool too, because more and more, and I'm sure you've heard this a million times, people want to know the story and the founder behind the brand. So although your product is amazing, I think people, they love that added element of maybe hearing you on a podcast or seeing you on Instagram and feeling that deeper connection totally. and just knowing who the producer is and who is behind these For amazing sure. jars. Brands that I admire all have like a personal story attached with them or like you feel connected to the founder in some way. And so even when I was picking the name for Chandler Honey, I wanted to pick my last name for that exact reason because I kind of have a family story with beekeeping I'm sure we'll get into. I want people to trust where the product is coming from, but also like see my face, recognize my voice from podcasts and feel a connection to me and a connection with the product. And I think that all just kind of ties in together. So yeah, very happy to be like a personality behind my brand. It's super fun. Mm -hmm. And yeah, I mean, to skip ahead a little bit and then we'll go back to your origin story. Yeah. Did it feel natural for you to be the spokesperson and to share the behind the scenes? Or was that more of a strategic operational decision that you're like, okay, I got to get out of my shell and bring this product to life with me as the personality? I think it was pretty natural. Like I, in my personal life, don't have a huge Instagram following or anything, but I love to hop on stories and just like talk to the camera. And so that's something that's always come very naturally to me. Maybe it's narcissism. I don't really no. know. I <laughs> love to hear myself talk, but like that kind of conversationality comes very naturally to me and I have no problem being on camera. Um, so yeah, it was not a big, like scary leap for me to continue being like bringing my personality to this brand. Um, yeah, I definitely had to kind of think about what kind of professional polish can I put on this? Like how, how much do I let people in? Um, but so far, like there hasn't been many times where I've been like, oh, that's too personal or whatever. Like, like I'm happy to let people in, um, and people are so wonderful. So yeah, no complaints Absolutely. there. Absolutely. Yeah. And I think, you know, thinking about the brands that I feel most connected with, they are ones that bring me to the high highs of their journey, but also aren't afraid to be honest. And that doesn't mean like necessarily crying on camera all the time when you get rejected from a retailer or when something bad happens, but letting people know that like, hey, we're humans too. Like this is the struggle or this is the challenge that we're currently trying to problem solve for. So I think it is really cool to bring people along totally. for the ride. Or even to spin, you know, negative things that happen to let people know what's going on, but also spin it as like learning lessons. Because if like as entrepreneurs, we're not learning all the time, like we're quickly going to be phased <laughs> yeah. out. So like even just sharing any insights that I that am learning about my business or learning about myself and kind of bringing that to people, I mean that's wonderful. So I have Absolutely. no problem doing that. So uh, let's take it back a little bit. So you grew up on your parents' farm in Alberta and yes. that farm has been operating for a long time, I think since long 1937. Uh, and your parents were entrepreneurs. So yes. as a child, were you like running around the farm going, I'm going to start my own business one day too? Or what was your childhood like and what led you into entrepreneurship? 
yeah, I always really respected my parents as entrepreneurs. We lived right beside the like beef farm as well. It was like 50 steps away or something like that. So I could see in my parents' life, there was really no distinction between their work life and their personal life. And as scary as that might be for some, but I actually found it really inspiring. Like they were able to be flexible whenever they needed to be. If things were like important at the house or like family obligations are coming up, they can like step back from work a little or have people take on more work. But if they needed to be at work, they can do that too or quickly. And yeah, just like having really no blurred lines between life and work, I kind of was gravitated towards that. I think a lot of aspiring entrepreneurs feel that they they can handle work and life being the same thing. And I think for me right now, that that is what it is. It's all just work and life. There is no work-life balance. Um, so yeah, I was always really like intrigued by that lifestyle, um, especially to have a mom who can come to all my sports games and stuff because she doesn't have a traditional nine to five. It was like really awesome as a kid. Um, so yeah, I kind of went about my career path, not knowing that I wanted to get into honey or beekeeping or anything in particular like that, but I knew I wanted to have my own business. Mm -hmm. So that's kind of, even as a teenager, that's kind of how I structured my life. I was like trying to decide what to go into in university. And I was like, okay, well, I should probably go into a business program. I don't know what my business will be, but like, let's, let's give this a shot. And then after so I studied HR in university, which is kind of random, but I just like wanted those people skills. I knew that that would be, you know, do me very good as a future entrepreneur and just a nice skill to have as a backup as well if I needed to have a corporate job. And then after I graduated, I went into tech sales again because I knew I wanted to focus on those people skills. I knew that sales skills are like some of the most important skills as an entrepreneur. So yeah, just practicing all that. And then it was kind of like, in my mid-20s, I was pretty unhappy in my tech job. I just decided it was time. And I didn't have this idea. It wasn't like an aha moment or anything like that. I just knew it was time for me to do something else. So I kind of made a list of a bunch of business ideas. Lots were very infeasible. Like, I don't know how I would be a property manager. Like, that doesn't really make... Anyway, whatever. The, the idea that did make sense was taking something that my parents do, something that I have knowledge and history on, and have access to a lot of honey as well, and then put a little twist on it, make it my own. So I'm really proud of it, but also just like a, like my parents don't do any branding of their honey. They just sell it in big drums. And I just wanted to like take an arm of their business and then put my own little twist on it. So that's how I came to Chandler Honey. Mm -hmm. I think one thing that I want to double tap on there is that there was no aha moment. I think right. a lot of uh, people in their 20s, 30s who are unhappy in their corporate job, they're kind of like waiting for that aha. Totally. And it's like, when is it going to hit me? When is it going to hit me? But sometimes you have to do what you did, which is just make the list and be like, what is most reasonable? What is something I can start on right away based on the resources that I have in front of totally. me, right? Yeah. Rather than maybe going to a place far, far away being like, I want to launch a resort in Mexico. It's like, well, you have no previous skills or experience. Exactly. But sometimes it's the things that are like right in front of us, I want to say, that we forget about that we need to come back to and be like, what was that thing I loved as a child? Or mm -hmm. what do I already incorporate into my my daily routine that is maybe not normal to other people. So it's asking yourself some very fundamental questions and then saying, well, what can I do to get this started right away? Totally. And not waiting for that aha moment that just comes out of nowhere. Like 
it can be a deliberate process and you can deliberately choose where you're going to go. It doesn't yeah. have to be a strike of inspiration. Um, and I think oftentimes like the obvious answer for your business is sometimes the right answer. Like it made sense for me to have a branch of my parent, like an extension of my parents' business that just is an obvious solution, but it's probably the right one. Mm -hmm. Okay. So then you get this idea. You're like, well, I can have an extension of my parents' brand. I can launch my own infused honey company. Yep. But what do you do from there? Because I'm sure there are a lot of listeners who have the idea for the product, mm -hmm. but they're paralyzed. They don't even know what the first or second or third step. And I'd love to know from your experience, what did you do when you decided, okay, it's going to be infused honey? Yeah, it is super overwhelming at the beginning. You start to run away with, oh no, I need like food certifications. I need a space and I need jar, like all these things. But you you have to take it step at a time. That every business has started from zero. Every person has, every founder has Googled a million things of like, how do I do this? How do I do this? And you just have to take it one step at a time. So for me, this was in the heart of COVID. I just wanted to create my product first and create a really simple minimum viable product. So I... Um, I kind of know the rules of honey, what you're allowed to put in it so that it doesn't spoil, all of these things. And then I just started creating flavors from scratch. I knew that infused honeys existed on the market, but I didn't want to do too much market research into their flavors beforehand because I mm. wanted to go at it totally blind, create my own recipes, and then later do market research, see if I'm overlapping too much on all these things. Anyway, Love so that. I created 30 different flavors at first. I just like went to spice stores um, and got a bunch of spices and came up with I, different ideas of flavors. Um, and I created 30 to begin with. And I just made all of my family and friends, anyone who I was in contact, it wasn't that many people because it was COVID, um, just taste as many as they could and rank them and kind of consistently the top like seven of them were being placed in the top five and then from there I did market research and said okay these five seem unique and are super delicious and people seem to really like them this is a good product mix so there I had my MVP mm -hmm. I didn't worry at that point about having super beautiful jars or super beautiful labels I just wanted to test if this product was something worth pursuing. Like mm. you can get really caught up in all the branding and all the sexy stuff, but your product in product-based business, your product has to be good before you can do anything else. So I bought just like 50 pretty ugly jars from a store. I created my own labels at the beginning and just like, I literally was cutting them out with scissors and putting them on the jars. And I just went to some local stores in my local towns being like, hey, do you want to stock this? And I, from some miracle, because we did samples right at the store, they wanted to stock them. And that like, these jars are so ugly. I'll send you some pictures. Maybe you can put <laughs> them on the screen. They're, they're almost a joke at this, at this stage. But because the product tasted so good, um, people were willing to take a shot on me. So that was my MVP that I was like, okay, this is something special. Like if I have... Now, if I invest in branding, I get a logo, I get a beautiful website, beautiful product photography. I think this is something that people are going to love because the product I know is great. So you're saying once you had your first product, you walked into stores mm -hmm. with a sample and said, 
hey, here's who I am. Here's what I've built or created. Would you like to try it? Like, did it actually go and like that? Terrifying. So terrifying. Yeah, no kidding. Um, I mean, this, so I was living at my parents' farm for the beginning part of COVID. So this was all there. And I had not been living there for already 10 years at this point. So it's not like I knew these shop owners. Like right. they had kind of heard of my parents in the community. One was in Brooks and one was in Lethbridge. Like the people in Lethbridge had no idea who I was. Um, so yeah, it was literally going up, asking to talk to the manager, um, coming back if the manager wasn't there, doing samples right there and asking them to take a chance on me. And mm. I, I knew so little about everything that I didn't even have barcodes yeah. on the on the product, they just like, okay, this can work. One store owner told me this size is way too big. Like we only want the smaller sizes, um, but we need barcodes. So come back next week, bring us a case. We'll give it a try, bring us barcodes. So yeah, then I'm again, just one step at a time. Now yeah. I'm Googling how to get barcodes and what that takes. And yeah, just, just one step at a time. I love it. And it probably only took one or two people saying yes mm -hmm. to you for you to feel like you had that motivation and totally. that momentum to look towards the next step. Mm -hmm. And I think people, you know, you could sit behind a computer screen and build out this elaborate business plan and be like, here's how I'm going to get my products into Whole Foods all mm -hmm. across North America. When that's just like so far down the path that it's totally. like, whoa, 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 whoa. reel it back in. Have you even gone into one mom and pa mm -hmm. health food shop and asked them if you can sample it there or mm -hmm. if they could stock it, right? Yeah. It's like, let's go back to basics here. And I yeah. love that, you know, trial for you was obviously an obvious way to get people on board with your vision. Like, try this product. It's going to taste different than anything you've ever mm -hmm. had before. And I'm assuming that's what won some of your first customers totally. and maybe some of your first retailers over. Mm -hmm. And so one said yes and bought whatever a couple cases and paid me up front. But one was like, listen, I'll do this on commission. And I was like, yep, great. Let's give it a try. Um, so you just got to get those first yeses in whatever way you can. Um, and then I knew I, th I think the the product is great and has like a compelling family story behind it. So I knew that getting like a proper e-commerce website, um, I could convince people that this is like a, a product that they they want to try, even though it's in the heart of COVID and they can't do sampling or anything. Um, yes. So because of COVID challenges, I knew that I had to invest more money than maybe a brand would now in product photography, just because people can't try it. They have to eat with their eyes. Mm, so that was okay. a decision so I made early on. Mm -hmm. Yeah, let's double tap on that chapter. So yeah. you decide to go mostly the e-com route. So you built up a website, invested mm -hmm. in product photography because yeah. you weren't um, necessarily sampling it in a lot of health food shops mm -hmm. at the time. Nobody was doing sampling programs. So how were people finding out about Chandler Honey during your first six to 12 months of business? Like how did people even get to the website or know that you had created all these awesome flavors and then mm -hmm. end up shopping. Like take us through kind of that, that early days of your online marketing journey. As a business owner, your first priority needs to be your health. After all, your body is your vessel to bring your dreams into reality. And without your health, nothing else matters. So in addition to eating lots of fruits and veggies and whole foods, 
I'm also a big fan of topping up my diet with superfoods like Brazil nuts and cashews. I take high quality supplements like fish oil and lion's mane, and I use natural self-care products that aren't harmful to my health. And that's where Healthy Planet comes in and is a huge support. Healthy Planet is my go-to spot for all things health and fitness and wellness. I love that they have everything I need in one place, from natural beauty to supplements to organic whole foods. Plus, their prices are unbeatable. I know I'm getting the best possible deals on everything that I need. So Healthy Planet is more than just a health food store. It's really a one-stop shop for everything you need. And I want to pass on a discount code from Healthy Planet Canada. So use the code VISIONARY2022 at checkout on any online order and have everything shipped straight to your doorstep. So again, head to healthyplanetcanada.com and use the code VISIONARY2022 at checkout to save 10% on any online order over $50. Yeah, my first week, I would say it was mostly just friends and family, which makes a ton of sense. Like I'm sharing this on my personal Instagram, my Facebook, um, and people are like going to my website that way. It was luckily also November 9th. So that's a really, it's honey season, first of all. It's also gift giving season. So like it was just a lucky time of the year to be launching, but my launch went exceptionally well. Um, but then I asked my friends all to share it on their Instagram stories too, or their Facebook. Um, it's funny how Instagram gets more, or even two years ago, things are changing now, but Instagram had more eyes, but Facebook has like, I don't know if it's older people or what, but the people with money are on Facebook. So Definitely. the, gra- the yeah. grandmas, they love the honey. So yeah, Facebook is surprisingly powerful, which is hilarious. Yeah. Um, so yeah, just getting my network to share and people, because the photography was so beautiful, um, people really shared the website and shared the products. And, um, so yeah, then I started getting orders from people I've never even heard of. And it was all just like word of mouth online. It was actually incredible. So even on my very first day, I remember I had someone who I'd never heard of and I was like, wow, this is crazy. Mm -hmm, Um, mm -hmm. And so often we discount our friends and family. Mm -hmm. Like we're like, I don't want to promote it to them because, you know, they know me in this certain chapter of my life, but now I have something to sell and I don't want to bother them. But Mm -hmm. it's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. These are going to be your first hundred customers. So do not hesitate to share with them Mm -hmm. what you're up to. In fact, most of them are going to be so proud and they mm-hmm. want to be included in the vision. Uh, and like you said, a lot of them will end up sharing it out to their network. So this is how you grow past your initial kind of community, the people who totally. already know you. So it's so vital to mm-hmm. leverage your friends and family and use that because they want to support you. And, Absolutely. And to see the I still think you need like a compelling product and compelling story and all that you can't just take your friends and family for granted that they will share. They want to be excited about it too. But yeah, people are so surprisingly kind always and so supportive. And then they leave reviews and then you share those reviews and like, it just kind of um, goes from there. And then um, early days as well. Like I started, we couldn't do any markets inside. So it was like freezing in Toronto and I'm outside doing markets and making people sample. Uh, And that was really great. And just like, you know, asking everyone to follow me on Instagram and yeah, no, people are like really supportive of small businesses. Um, it has been my experience it, even more so during like the lockdown stage of COVID. Um, but yeah, people, 
people are so wonderful and supportive and you just got to get in front of them. You mentioned something about having a compelling story. Yeah. And I'm curious because you obviously have the story of your parents starting their farm. Mm -hmm. And then you have the story of you with the desire to become an entrepreneur, but kind of uncertain. So how have you crafted the story of Chandler Honey? And when you tell it today, Mm -hmm. what are some of those key parts that you love to share as the origin story of the brand and of the business? It's the fact that I was beekeeping from such a young age and do know my way around a beehive, no problem. Oh, my air conditioning just came on in October. I don't know why. Doesn't seem right. I think that that's quite rare to have a family business with such a long history is also quite rare. But what I really tried to capitalize on because I knew it was different is you very rarely see female faces in beekeeping, but you also very rarely see young female faces in beekeeping. So I knew I had that to my advantage, which is why I share my face so often on my website, on my Instagram, and also leverage tools like TikTok, which isn't going great, but and Instagram and <laughs> and trying to like there's no other beekeepers who are usually old white dudes. Um, they're not going to be using these tools and I can stand out in this way. So I, I knew that just looking at the competition. I love that. Yeah. And um, you say too, like there was nobody else really who mm-hmm. you saw in your industry that maybe resembled you or your yeah. story. Uh, and I think that that's a moment to kind of have like a epiphany of, well, why not me? Why can't I blaze a trail and, and start, you know, being the face of this brand and maybe surprising people that they mm-hmm. wouldn't think that I would be the founder of totally. a company. So, yeah. Um, and what is such a shame is that I live in downtown Toronto. I want my own hive so badly, not only because I enjoy it, but because I want to like show people what that's like in the process yes. behind that. I don't have the room for it now, but I, I, I'm in a commercial building now and I would love to like I will talk to the building manager and be like, hey, can I get a beehive up on the roof? Like, how does that sound? (laughs) Um, Because I think that would be really cool. I think that'd be so awesome too. Uh, You mentioned that TikTok not going so well. That's a hot topic on the podcast these days because everybody is trying to explore, like, am I going to become the next viral sensation if I invest money and time and energy into this platform, even though a lot of people are just very resistant to Mm -hmm. TikTok itself. Tell us about your experience of growing the brand on that platform specifically. Yeah. If I was doing it all over again, I would have started two years ago, but that is just yeah, easy to say. Is 2020. <laughs> I know. Um, and so like I have a decent following on Instagram, like 4,300, like a very engaged community. I'm very happy with that. Um, yeah. But recently on Instagram, I'm noticing less and less engagement. I think that yeah. that's kind of a trend with everybody. So I'm frustrated yep. there. And so I'm like, okay, TikTok. I can do this yep. <laughs> and I'm creating content that I think would have, would perform well on Instagram or videos that I think are semi entertaining or interesting. And yeah, just not, not a lot of catch on right now. Yep. And it's frustrating because I even brands that I love and respect so much, like even Lake and Oak Teas um, is a friend of mine and they have an awesome Instagram presence and they make beautiful uh, videos for their reels that do really well. They have yeah. the same content on TikTok and it just it hasn't caught on and they post consistently and it's beautiful. I just don't get TikTok 
quite get, but I need to find a way, I think, to like tell a more compelling story because me as a TikTok consumer, I don't want to follow brands necessarily. So yeah. I need to find a way to make my brand not salesy and not just pushy. It needs to be interesting and engaging beyond what I'm selling, which mm-hmm. I think is different than Instagram. So I think there's a lot of potential in TikTok, obviously. I just don't quite know how to get there yet. But hopefully in the next couple months, we'll be able to figure something out. What's your philosophy when it comes to the marketing plan of Chandler Honey? Like, are you open to experimentation and always exploring? Or do you have something that's very neatly written out that's like we post five times a week on these themes and we do not deviate how do you approach your marketing department as a whole? I am the marketing department. Yeah. It, is yeah. Very, it is very freewheeling. Like I probably post four or five times on Instagram a week um, yep. and push to Facebook from there. It's when I feel like sharing stuff or feel like I have yep. something interesting to share or even just like old product photos that I think like haven't been seen in a while. Like yeah. let's, um show those again so yeah not a huge strategy in terms of like we need x this content and this much content and but i do try to show my face every like fourth post or something like that have a lot of beautiful product images so that if people are finding my page for the first time they're like oh this is what this is about um yeah it is just kind of whatever i feel like Mm -hmm. as i get to become a bigger company i'm sure a plan will fall into place but this is this has been working so far and then i hop on stories pretty often as well well and i love that and i think that it's important to demystify the early journey of a founder because sometimes we think like oh they must have like this elaborate document and they're just following it to a t but Mm. a lot of us we're going with the flow we're riding you know our waves of inspiration and sharing stories as they're happening in our lives Mm -hmm. and this can't necessarily be planned. It's more of an on the fly and it's not a bad thing, right? To show up when you're actually in an inspired Mm -hmm. state versus to pre-plan everything and maybe have nothing kind of hit home because it was all, you know, pre-recorded or batch created when Mm -hmm. you weren't really feeling all that lit up. So I think it's nice to get some behind the scenes on that. So in terms of what's working now, obviously we kind of have come out of COVID, maybe we're back to more in-person stuff, but Mm -hmm. in terms of continuing to find people to sample Chandler Honey to, uh, getting online orders, getting into retailers, just as an overall um, kind of summary, what do you feel is working well uh, in growing brand awareness? Yeah, I think the next step in my business is to definitely get onto more shelves. So. I treat my job mostly as a sales job. I'm sending about 10 cold emails or cold calls a day just to store owners. It's a lot of work, but I do, it does hit pretty often or I go randomly still show up and just talk to managers is, is pretty effective. Um, but I just actually partnered with some sales brokers. Fingers crossed that this works out. This is a new strategy for me, just kind of my outsourced sales team. And that will hopefully allow me to get into places like whole foods and organic garage and all these things. Um, so yeah, that's kind of in progress now. There's like a ramp up period, obviously. So that's what's next for me. Um, but yeah, just like the word of mouth on in whatever sense, even if it's farmer's markets that I've done or just on Instagram or reviews, whatever, 
um, keep bringing new people to me, which is amazing. And I'm also doing one of a kind show this year, I mm, think, which will be awesome um, to get in front of lots of new faces, but also hopefully a lot of store owners as well um, to stalk me. So that's the hope. Yeah, I'm just dab- dabbling in a lot of different things. But yeah, e-commerce is probably even now about a third of my business. A lot of it is directly to stores or directly to distributors. I can, I'd love to keep that ratio where it is. Um, a third e-commerce, a third wholesale and a third distributors. But I just love to bump everything up. That's kind of, kind of growth. How do you manage your time in a day? Do you have any schedule that you follow Monday to Friday? Because obviously you are wearing all the hats or doing mm-hmm. most of the things. So what does a typical work week look like? And how do you find time to send cold emails, be on social media, show up at trade shows, yeah. do quality control? Like it's, it's everything, oh my gosh. It's, right? It's so, never ending. Yeah. And I like I have a, a part time person to help me with um, production now, which has been amazing. Uh, but I still pack all of my own orders and write little notes in them. I still do deliveries myself. It's yep. a lot. But I try to be in the office Monday, Wednesday, Friday doing production type stuff. So yep. whether that's help literally helping pour jars and labels, but also get orders out the door, um, just, you know, actual product stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I usually am at home on Tuesdays and Thursdays to just do email and admin stuff. Um, even when I'm at the office, I'll still try to do my sales emails and all that kind of stuff. But yeah, every day is very different depending on what I've got going on. It's very unstructured, I would say, but it's just whatever needs to get done. This episode is sponsored by The Visionary Method. The Visionary Method is a seven-step system that's going to help you create and launch your business successfully. We've had 200 people go through it, and it's going to help you to generate your first 50000 in revenue, even if you're starting at zero. You can learn more at www.kelseyridle.com TVM. I love I, I you have a quote I forget if it was on your Instagram or on another blog but it said if the bees have taught us anything it's that there are no shortcuts mm. in making something delicious and that yeah. I feel like is very resonant of an entrepreneur's journey mm-hmm. within the first few years like there are no shortcuts to success like you are going to be the one packaging the orders getting out there into meetings doing the social media and for anyone who thinks that it's like a wave a magic wand and this entrepreneurial journey is just so easy it's like no like you gotta go through it right and a lot of days feel like a grind but Mm -hmm. you know we wake up the next day and work on the next most important thing and the day after and the day after and like you've alluded to this is a lifestyle it's not like Mm -hmm. I end my job at 4 30 p.m and then I just go on with my life it's like you're always probably thinking Mm -hmm. about your business but in a way I'm sure that's okay with you right yes because also, if I want to like go have lunch with a friend in the middle of the day, <laughs> exactly. I can totally do that. I don't need to ask anybody's permission to do that. Um, and so yeah. I'm very blessed and grateful in that way. But yeah, it really does never end. <laughs> so I'm curious if we could fast forward five mm. or 10 years and we saw that Chandler Honey is a hundred times the size that it is today. I'm curious, what is your best guess as to why you have achieved that level of growth and impact? 
Yeah, I think in order for that to happen, I would need to expand into the States, which would be a dream come true. Anyway, so that logistically, I think that's the how. Yeah, that's a Um, big vision, but exciting too. Yeah, no, yeah, I I see that happening eventually. Um, As far as like what traits of mine have allowed me to reach that, oh, geez. I think it comes back to having a truly excellent product that I stand by 100%. and that I'm so confident that if I bring it into any store or send samples to, like, people will try it and they will love it. That's huge and can't be underestimated a- at any turn. You can have beautiful marketing. You can have all the tricks. But if your your product has to stand on its own two feet as well. Um, okay, so that's something that I think would contribute to that success. But also just me taking it one step at a time, figuring it out as we go. Um, I, I'm becoming more and more resilient all the time because you have to be like yeah. uh, entrepreneurship is like boot camp of the soul. It is just so tax like, oh man, when it rains, it pours. But that's, I guess, any, anybody's job <laughs> or anyone in their life. But like, you have to get back up the next day and keep going. Um, that's just all there is to it. So the lessons I'm learning, the resilience, the taking it one step at a time, I think that would help lead to success of this company as well. It's amazing. And before I let you go, you mm-hmm. talked about having an excellent product. So for the listener, a lot of our listeners yeah. love to support small business. So why don't you give us kind of a, a debrief on yeah. what your products are? And also if we were to buy like one or two or three items off your website, mm-hmm. tell us exactly what we need to order. Perfect. So it is all raw, organic, infused honey, um, all from my family's farm. And I cream the honey, which makes it a really beautiful, smooth texture. I and love then I creamed honey. It is oh so delicious. I only use whole real ingredients like vanilla beans, for example, or real lemon zest. I'm not using any shortcut ingredients like extracts or oils or anything like that. Yeah. Um, and what is also very unique about it is like kind of creative flavors like I have a creme brulee flavor that is probably my most oh my <laughs> most popular so if you're gonna get one I would go creme brulee but also orange grove is my favorite that's just three types of of orange zest in the honey depending on what's in season um, I have really good seasonal flavors coming up it's it's in limbo I'm doing literally a poll on my Instagram stories right now about what people want to see but it's gonna be like creamy chai or apple pie um, or, or gingerbread, like really delicious things. So yeah, just a little bit of a fancy twist of honey to really elevate it to the next level. And it's super delicious. You can use it all the places you use normal honey, like in your tea or on your toast, but also in smoothies or yogurt and granola, or I put it over salmon or all sorts of ways. I got a ton of recipes on my page as well, but, uh, as like a simple syrup base for your cocktails, there's just, there's a lot of uses of honey. So if you're listening to this and you'd love to try, that would make me very happy. Uh, Chandlerhoney.ca or I have chandlerhoney.com as well. And Instagram is chandler.honey. Amazing. Yeah. We'll link all of that in the show notes and encourage everyone to go Great. check it out. Um, and I um, cannot wait to make an infused cocktail or to oh, be good. putting it all over my toast. So all One of that. One last plug is I have like really beautiful gift boxes for the holiday season coming up. So if you... Like if someone's really hard to shop for, food is a great gift because it doesn't clutter up their shelves forever. And this is a really unique local 
delightful um, food gift. So it's it's a really good gift for somebody who's hard to shop for. So take a look at my seasonal stuff coming up. The truth. Yeah. Like consumables are the best gifts, no matter Absolutely. what occasion you are shopping for. Or for a lot of our listeners, they do client gifts. Get them a consumable. Mm-hmm. Honey is perfect because everybody uses it. So totally amazing. Well, Teak, thank you so much for taking the time out of your busy, busy schedule. We know you wear a lot of hats and we really appreciate you and wish you all of the best on this journey as you grow Chandler Honey. Great. Thanks, Kelsey. This was a blast. Thank you. Thanks for tuning in to this episode of Visionary Life. I love bringing you these conversations on a weekly basis, so it would mean so much to me if you could help me out by rating and reviewing the show in your iTunes app. You can also support the show by taking a quick screenshot of the episode and sharing it on your Instagram stories, tagging me at Kelsey Rydell. I'll catch you in the next episode. P.S. Whenever you're ready, there's a couple of ways that I can support you. So first thing, if you're ready to make your first or next $50,000 in business, explore how the Visionary Method business coaching experience can accelerate your growth. There'll be a link in the show notes. Also, if you're feeling lost, confused, or overwhelmed when it comes to starting an online business, reach out and book a free revision call with me. I'll offer you customized recommendations on how to get unstuck so you can live a life filled with joy, happiness, and fulfillment.